0: Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm delighted to be joined today by... My teammate Roman Canciani, Head of Investment Writing, who has all the latest on the market action over the past hours. Tim Gege, Head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva on currency markets which are under the spell of King Dollar. Sipo Arnsen, Next Generation Research, with an update on crypto markets and the curious story of the once largest crypto exchange, Mt. Gox. So let's get started. I hand over to you, Roman, for the market wrap. Please go ahead.
2: Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, overall stocks were down yesterday again, but the volatility receded across markets towards the end of the trading session, one day after surprisingly high inflation prints in the US. The main event yesterday was the euro temporarily breaking below parity versus the US dollar. The Bloomberg dollar spot index, which measures the US dollar's performance versus its major peers, has risen about 1.5% this week and is set for a third weekly advance as many market participants have started betting on the Federal Reserve to hike its policy rate by a full percentage point at the end of the month, which would further increase the interest rate advantage of the world's major reserve currency. We'll have Tim in the call a bit later, who will give you some more color on the FX environment. There's also some remarkable price action in oil. WTI is poised to end the week below 100 US dollars per barrel for the first time since April, after a volatile period of trading marked by escalating concerns over an economic slowdown. One barrel of a WTI is changing hands at around 96 a half US dollars this morning. The S&P 500 index ended yesterday's trading session down by 0.3% after tanking by more than 2% at one stage, with tech and consumer staples the only two sectors in the green, while energy and financials, after the weaker-than-expected earnings reports by Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan, underperformed materially. The VIX index, measuring implied stock volatility over the coming 30 days, feels a bit of gravity at the moment, down again yesterday and trading at about 26 points, which is somewhere in no man's land when compared with long-term averages below 20 and the recent high prints around 35 points. The short end of the US dollar yield curve has been under slight pressure since Wednesday, with the two-year yield down another two basis points this morning, while the 10-year has been trading steadily around 295. The curve is still inverted, which is usually a good sign for the market expecting a recession looming around the corner. There's not too much to report in terms of overnight news. Markets are debating about the Italian president rejecting Mario Draghi's offer to resign as prime minister in a bid to avert another political crisis. Russia's plan to create a national oil benchmark as it seeks to protect itself from efforts by the West to restrict the flow of petrodollars to the country and the upcoming first TV debate in the UK tonight in the fight about the succession of Boris Johnson as Conservative leader and UK Prime Minister. Over in Asia, data show that in the second quarter, China's economy grew at the slowest pace since the initial coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan, which is a reflection of the damage the nation's COVID-0 approach has had on growth. The silver lining there is that consumption rallied in June as curbs were eased. Asian stock markets are not that much changed since yesterday, although Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index is decisively in the red after rumors emerged that Alibaba Group, faces a data theft probe, which reignited worries about further regulatory crackdown. European stocks are poised to start the day in the green, just like those in the US, where futures point towards high prices to start with too.
1: That's it from me. Back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Roman. Now on to currencies. The US dollar is at decade highs against the euro and Japanese yen. Tim, what is your take?
3: Good morning. This was the week that we finally broke below parity in euro dollar for the first time since late 2002. In 2002, I had just left university, moved to London, and started working as a glorified tea maker and advertising agency. Quite a lot of water was thrown uh, under the bridge since then, but this move has been brewing for a while, as US data continues to suggest, as we hit a very aggressive Fed this year, while the eurozone in the UK look to be really struggling. As much as 93 basis points were priced in for the 1st July meeting at one point yesterday, although this has apparently eased back to around 82 basis points now which is still three full hikes, plus a bit, with 1% clearly as far as the market's concerned on the table. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank meet next week, of course. They have a significant problem in the shape of Italy. As we heard, Prime Minister Draghi offered his resignation yesterday, as he had promised to do if five star left, which they did. President Mattarella has refused Draghi's resignation, wanting to try to form a government, but this is far from a sure thing. And we are talking about Europe's third largest economy here. So, does Lagarde do what inflation says she should and hyper aggressively? Or other factors say she should and tread carefully? Or most likely, does she, as usual, try to satisfy everybody and end up satisfying nobody? We shall see soon enough that Eurodollar is not at parity for nothing. While it is mostly a dollar move, Euro Swiss, we must remember, has been below parity for quite some time. And this is perhaps a better reflection of how the market sees European risk. Cable okay, we'll also made new lows. This is a dollar move too. But it is also linked, of course, to diverging economic performance between the UK and the US. Sadly, the UK is more in the Eurozones both economically. By the way, the leadership contest for the Conservative Party is a complete sideshow. It's irrelevant from an effects point of view. It doesn't matter who wins. But awful economic data is not irrelevant. So it's all rather doom and glue, isn't it? Well, yes it is. A couple of weeks ago, I wondered if we were not at an end game of some sort of the dollar strength. And I still do wonder how long everyone will let the current situation continue. I guess the Fed don't mind so much. A strong currency is in theory deflationary, but it is not so helpful for Europe and the UK, not even to speak of Japan, where the yen just continues to tank. Now, one should never rule out a policy response from central bank or government, but um, you cannot really position yourself for it. So you just kind of have to do your best and uh, and see what comes. As such, I think if I was very long dollars, I would probably still be inclined to take advantage of the current levels. just feels like I've been saying that for about two months. But I guess a lot of investors, like me, already did that. I would not buy dollars here, however. That does not make sense. It is never too late to hedge in theory, but in practice, I cannot imagine anyone hedging here. If you have taken this much pain, probably better to hold on a little bit longer. So if you do have dollars to spare... There are some great opportunities in reverse convertibles, accumulators and so on, options, because levels are very attractive due to both extreme spot levels, but also very high volatility. But otherwise, I think this week I would be a bit patient from here and see what next week and the European Central Bank bring us. So thank you for listening. Happy Friday and back to
1: you, Mike. Thank you very much, Tim. Please note that we published last week a short-to-the-point podcast titled Currency Matters, on our Beyond Markets channel, and for German speakers, Warum Währungen so wichtig sind, on the Market Analyses und Gespräche channel. The English podcast is actually with Tim Gaggi, who you just heard. So please tune in, the podcasts are available on all the usual channels, as well as our JB Investment Insights app. Now over to Crypto and Mt. Gox, the largest crypto exchange back in 2014. It is now in the news again. Sipo, what's the story and why does it matter? Yeah,
4: thank you, Mike. I mean, just an update from my side on, as you mentioned, one of the most top of mind themes in the crypto markets this week, which is the recovered Mt. Gox tokens potentially coming to crypto exchanges in the coming weeks and months, which could, you know, at the end of the day potentially cause very significant selling pressure for Bitcoin in particular. Now, maybe just to provide some historical context here. So Mt. Gox was at some point the world's largest Bitcoin exchange, which suffered one of the most high profile exploits in February, 2014. Now, ultimately that led to a complete suspension of their trading activities and nearly 850,000 Bitcoin tokens were lost as a result of the hack, which in today's term would be worth more than $16 billion um, at current prices. Now, in the months and years following the attack, you know, backers of the exchange recovered more than 135,000 of the stolen tokens. However, these recovered tokens have been locked in sort of litigation proceedings until recently. Now, in late 2021, you know, the exchange announced a formal rehabilitation plan to return um, the lost funds to creditors of the exchange. And, you know, the most recent developments saw the trustee of this rehabilitation plan giving creditors the option to receive their lost funds in either Bitcoin or um, fiat currency in the form of US dollars. Now, you know, ultimately the big question here is, will creditors opt to receive what is due to them in Bitcoin or will they opt to liquidate and receive that in US dollars? Now, you know, looking at the incentives for the the, the creditors, you know, given that at the time of the exploit, each Bitcoin token was worth less than 5% of its current value, You know, this announcement by the trustee has really driven fears that a large proportion of creditors could decide to be paid out in fiat currency rather than crypto, you know, obviously seeking to lock in their substantial capital gain. Now, you know, the fear is that this could see a pretty substantial quantity of Bitcoin coming onto the market, driving, you know, much higher selling pressure for the leading digital asset. Now, this, you know, not least as the market mood remains very bearish. Meaning that you know ultimately more negative news could be taken as a crit, as a trigger for further selling. Now, something we look into quite closely on the team is the intra crypto correlations, and you know the long story short here is those remain very elevated between you know lot smaller market cap tokens and Bitcoin. So any pressure on Bitcoin could you know ultimately see quite strong ripple effects for the broader asset class. Now, more generally, we believe you know, today's unfavorable macroeconomic environment for digital assets will persist for some time, particularly given you know, yesterday's higher than expected US inflation data, which put pressure on prices amid you know, fears of a further and more aggressive tightening of monetary policy. Now, this is something we've highlighted since the beginning of the year, where you know the macroeconomic environment has caused really strong headwinds for crypto markets, um, And, you know, now coupled with the sort of crypto-specific developments, such as the release of these recovered tokens from the Mt. Gox exploit, you know, we really see the market as not having a sort of swift and sharp short-term rebound. That's all from my side. And back to you, Mike.
1: With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers. And thank you for tuning in. We do hope that you'll look out for the next edition of this podcast. Goodbye for now.
0: You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives, or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.